Welcome to Call and Shots. This is Seth Partnow. I'm joined today on the return leg of uh, Home and Home by uh, fellow call-in host, uh, Jake Fisher. Jake, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm doing fine. Um, so I'm normally not... I, I think that we normally spend way too much time, energy, effort, rumor-mongering, what have you, on the... Uh, on the transaction game and, and at the expense of the actual basketball game. However, now that we're past Christmas, we're into the new year, we're what about a month and a half out from the trade deadline. I feel like now's a good time to actually start really focusing on it because we kind of have a good sense of what teams are, you know, there's some health questions here or there. Um, but for teams that need a little something, um, they have six weeks to figure out what they need. And, and then we get to see how that works out in the playoffs. So, um, can we expect a bunch of action or is it uh, a lot of people staring at each other across the room and, and nothing really going on yet? So no one can know for sure. Right. But right. I think a lot of my job, a lot of, this is how I view my job at least is to collect as many people's opinions as I can to be able to like bring the general consensus that I've heard. Right. And my best answer is I think we're going to see a lot of teams hold their chips until we get into February. Um, and maybe even until we get until the week of February 9th, that Thursday. And I, I'm not sure. I mean, I really don't expect to see a ton of big names flying. Like if we wake up on February 10th and John Collins is the quote unquote biggest name that's, that's moved, I wouldn't be shocked. But I, I think what it sounds like what I'm expecting to see is that there'll be a lot of activity of teams doing deals similar to, and this is just a total uh, example, not really rooted in anything specific, but something like how Denver Don't start a rumor, something like how <laughs> this, is, this is something that happened previously. So I feel like, right. we'll see. but how Denver and Washington teamed up last year um, to do the KCP for Monty Morris, Will Barton type deal that, that, that filled a need for both sides. Or even another Washington example of the Spencer Dinwiddie, Davis Bertans for Christophs Porzingis. Although, I mean, I, it's, I don't know. I mean, I, I, that's pretty, that's that type of magnitude of a contract. Like if I was just talking with someone, I've been trying to make as, you know, as many calls as I can this week after the holidays. Like if Toronto ends up, moving Fred Van Vliet, like that'd be a huge, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but that'd be a, a pretty, uh, you know, a pretty big contract type of player to get, get moved. Even though he was an all-star last year, he's not exactly, you know, a Bradley Beal changing teams, but I think we will end up seeing a, a good amount of trades on the smaller side though. I'm, I'm not like, I'm not readying to be making a bunch of big calls about big, big players. I mean, you you mentioned John Collins. I I I come all kind of would almost be surprised if any kind of name that big even moved. Um, it's it's un, unless someone kind of comes from out of nowhere. Um, just based on kind of the the rumblings of that that you and you know folks like Eric Pankis and others have been, you know, sussing out. It 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 seems like there's a lot of 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 kind of stasis just because everyone's so bunched and you know maybe the biggest player we see moved is a is you know a Kyle Kuzma or a John Collins players who are pretty good players but there are kind of obvious reasons for their current team to decide that it's to, to decide to do something rather than you know needing to get blown away by an offer 
I could also see those guys getting traded for each other, like for each other. <laughs> and then, and then if that, I mean, look, that's been a, an idea discussed, let's say in, in the, in the ether by people. I don't know if they've had a direct, uh, um, I don't know if they've had a, like a direct conversation about it. That's gotten super serious, but um, I mean, they've definitely talked about Washington having interest in John Collins and Cockloose potentially being the piece that a piece that comes back. Like that's a real thing. That's I think that's been reported left and right to the point where someone today asked me, well, why wouldn't, uh, why wouldn't Atlanta and Washington just do that? If that's like a deal that those sides have seeming to, you know, have obvious interest in what's coming back. If that's the case, I'm like, that's what we got to figure out. <laughs> well, I think I mean, isn't there's there at least from the Atlanta? I don't think Atlanta is good enough to be. And I want to talk about Kuzma a little bit more, just because um, that with kind of the newer extension rules and stuff like that, we don't see like the uh, expiring contract rental player um, that much anymore. And I think Kuzma is a pretty high profile version of that right now. So that I think that's I mean, in some ways, that probably. If that was a deal where everyone was was okay with, probably the, the biggest holdup would be: uh, Is Kuzma going to resign in Atlanta? Um, and and you know maybe if if the Hawks are are mostly looking to get off of Collins' money and 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 get a good player for the rest of the year, maybe maybe that's something. But I, that doesn't really strike me as something that a team that has stated ambitions would do. Um, so let's let's start with Kyle Kuzma. Like, where does he want to go? Because I feel like unless there's a team that's like, yeah, we, we want him for 30 games in the playoffs and then maybe we'll, we can convince him to stay, but we're not counting on it. Um, it seems like the, you know, he gets, he does have a little bit of the pick of, of, you know, he doesn't have enough, he doesn't have an actual no trade clause, but he has an effective one, I guess is what I'll say. Yeah. Same, the same way that with Jeremy Grant last year, teams wanted to know or wanted to get a sense of what, his next contract desires were before trading what Detroit was asking for. And obviously not maybe not obviously, but the price was higher than what the cost ended up being. So maybe a lot of teams who got that answer weren't exactly excited about the idea of paying that number, you know? So I think that's really important to always characterize a lot of these quote unquote trade candidates, because that, that is how a lot of deals end up getting done. Someone, a, some a player kind of getting the, across the idea of what their next hopeful salary would be, and their team deciding that's not what we were going to want, and other teams lining up who would be willing to pay that. So, um, I mean, you're being you're being a little coy here about this in terms of yeah, like I, it, 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 it. Maybe maybe you can't say it, but but you know I can. Uh, there's you know the the if he gets traded somewhere and it and it's not clearly just a rental i would assume that there is a a piece of paper in a drawer somewhere that may not be signed but everyone's kind of looked at it and at least said yeah that looks right um and and you know i think that that you know i don't think anyone's going to be dumb to do like the pre-contract the way that the timberwolves did with joe smith back in the day but there's going to there's going to be an, be an agreement in place um, if as, uh, as, as, uh, Im- implied or, or explicit as you, you want to claim it to be. Um, yeah. 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 So <laughs> yeah, that's that. 
Um, but also, like, teams are kind of already looking out. At, so if you make this move, and it, oh, you know, Cleveland, for example, they're a team I've been calling around about today. Um, like, they've got an obvious hole to upgrade at the small forward spot. They made that move for Karis LeVert um, last year at the deadline, and it hasn't exactly worked out for the price that they paid, right? Um, and the Donovan Mitchell acquisition has been tremendous, but it's further shown how whoever is that fifth guy in the starting lineup is just not on the same level um, as their other four starters. And maybe, they will, maybe they won't be able to find an answer like that. Maybe there isn't uh, an obvious answer there when you've given up five of your drafts moving forward. But long story short, like I, I think like you, if you're going to make that move, if you're going to make a move to fill a specific position of need, like it's all in this game of chess that's dependent on um, the amount of salaries are slotted elsewhere. So I think if like, it's not just with Kuzma, if it's any type of gain right now, in terms of a player on your roster, like you want to know what the long-term game is going to be as well. And all of your other, you're, you're working on two year cycles. And I think people are even, I don't think it's that big of a, of a, of an issue. I'd be curious to, to know your thoughts, Seth, because I, I was calling around one of my items. I wanted to maybe write a story about that. I've been kind of poo-pooed by smart people is that the new CBA isn't going to impact team. Like some people have suggested to me that maybe teams will hold their pearls even closer because they don't know what the tax situation is going to be. Um, there've been people kicking around ideas like maybe a homegrown, a drafted player um, oh, will only count for 50% oh, on the tax. Like that stuff's probably not happening to your point. Yeah. So a lot of people, the smart people have said, yeah, sorry, sure. sorry Joe. Exactly. Yeah, sure. That could be an excuse. <laughs> But it's not actually going to. Like, teams aren't going to not do a trade because of that. But it is a thing. People want to know what the 2025 salary cap situation is going to look like at this year's deadline. So to your point about trying to figure out these next upcoming contracts, um, it's 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 definitely a thing that I keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, I think that you know we. I don't think that I think my guess would be teams are operating under some assumptions that the tax isn't going to get more punitive and they're not going to plan for it to be less punitive because, uh, you know, planning for that. And then your owner is stuck with a, with a, you know, $20 million extra tax bill. Uh, well, we thought it, we thought the tax was going to be lower because we get, because we drafted these guys. It's a pretty good way to, you know, get fired or your staff reduced or whatever. Um, so, but I, I want to get back to what you're saying about two-year cycles um, because I think that's right. I think the time the time windows have just shortened right now as we're kind of in this transition period between dynasties. Um, so that brings me back to Kuzma. In that, have you is is there anything that you've heard that's out there about a team might be willing to give stuff up just yeah. knowing that that he's not coming back? Oh no, no. I think that the only teams I've heard that are interested in Kuzma teams, I think he'd be interested in re-signing with. Um, like the Lakers keep coming up. Obviously that's been reported. I think he was even asked about it. I think it was in the Washington post. I'm not remembering correctly. I'm sorry. Um, and he kind of said like, uh, Oh, well, you know, I guess it's bittersweet that they want me back. Like maybe you should have given me up in the first place. Some type of quote like that, um, which 
yeah, that's what a lot of people have said. <laughs> but at the same time, like if he went back there, I think obviously you would think there'd be a lot of interest in re-signing in Los Angeles, but I don't know how the Lakers would even get there. Like that's kind of been the theme in that little brief pocket of the conversation today. Like, I mean, you're not sending Russell Westbrook back to Washington and getting 30 million plus from Kyle Kuzma. Right. So that's, that's off the board. The other really tradable pieces um, are that Patrick Beverly, Kendrick Nunn package. And like, it just doesn't make any sense. What's that do? Yeah. What's that do for Washington? Exactly. So um, Phoenix, if there's a way to do something with Jay Crowder, I mean, I I don't, I don't know. Um, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about Phoenix and Brian Windhorst wrote some interesting thing this afternoon about how Robert Sarver has to sign off on, on certain trades. Um, I've checked people. I would, I would encourage people to check that out at ESPN. Um, I don't, I don't have the information solid, but there's just been a lot of discussion, let's say about like what the Suns are even able to do right now um, in terms of their unstable ownership situation, not unstable, but in, in flux and in transition, whatever you want to call it. Um, so I don't know what that, you know, realistically looks like there either. So um is Atlanta with a John Collins thing the most likely outcome? I don't know. There could be various other – I mean, I just haven't gotten specific win yet. I'm sure as we get closer, it'll start to um, pop up more. But those are kind of, that's kind of the early info that, that we've gathered. I do, I do just wonder because I think he is for, for a team that just needs, like, one more dude. Yeah. And if you could get to the number, even if he doesn't come back – at a certain point, you know, depending on where I guess, I guess depending on where Washington is in the, sta- in the standings, but yeah. if Washington has kind of fallen away from the uh, from the play-in spots as well, like at a certain point, something is better than nothing, and maybe you get him for for you know an, perhaps a slight overpay for what would be a you know a, a thirty-game rental. But if you're you know if you're one of the top four or five teams in either conference right now, and that's the player you think pushes you over the top. Like if you're, I don't know, pick it, pick a team that that's in that group. Like, is that, I don't know. I like, I'm just thinking of rosters, not possible trade constructions, but like, you know, uh, Clippers or, or, or Nuggets or, or, or Bucks or like, I don't like, again, I have no idea how they get to the salary, but it seems like that would be a really interesting piece to add. Um, yeah. If you're, if you're the Sixers of however many years ago and you're trying to find your Tobias Harris, you come and get Kyle Kuzma and then instead only pay him like 25 to 30 instead of 35 to 40. Like that's kind of, or just, or just not like just make the trade knowing that you're, that you're making the trade to push some chips in to, to win a title this year. Yeah. I mean, Denver's an, I have not heard them. Again, I'm, this is, this is based on nothing. This is just me thinking of teams that could use like one more high level dude. Yeah, what I'm saying though is like when you know a lot of the a lot of the, the gig is to call people and ask them what they think other teams will do, right? And people are certainly suggesting that Denver is a is a profile of a team that should just go make a big win now move right now, um, and that they have some some interesting young players like a Bones Highland that they could use as outgoing um you know interest to other teams to go get 
some extra punch to just really, I mean, you've got a two-time MVP who is really positioning himself to uh, make a three-peat, although it's a very crowded field and Kevin Durant has been unbelievable and others have done pretty impressive stuff as well. Um, I mean, you don't know how long you're going to have this opportunity in a small market such as that where you home homegrown drafted three all-star caliber players and the Aaron Gordon trade came at a perfect time. Gordon has been playing unbelievable. I watched a lot of the Minnesota Denver game last night. Hadn't seen nuggets in a bit um, since like late or mid November. And I was just struck by how well Aaron Gordon's been. He just has this like newfound passing synergy with Jokic and everybody else too, but it feels like it's like being channeled off of Jokic. Um, They're awesome, man. Like if they could add if they could add someone like Kuzma, that would be a very very interesting wrinkle that I think would ultimately if, if the Denver if Denver goes out and gets anybody like that if they go out and buy significantly, um, I think that would be the type of move that could create a domino effect of other activity and a type of arms because right now everyone's happy to hold their chips when you know people are bunched up but if someone at the top goes and makes a move that you think separates them even further, that could start a chain reaction um, that I think would be pretty fascinating to watch. For sure. Um, getting getting a couple different questions in the comments about the, about the uh, the Knicks, including Leon Rose. Uh, hi, Leon. Who are the, you? You tell us who the Knicks are targeting. I'm sorry, that's terrible. Um, but the you know Zach Levine is being asked about what have you heard about the about the Knicks? What they're thinking? So the Knicks. And what they're thinking is something that seems to kind of change all the time. And depending is on that, who, is that who is that a is that a, a too many cooks thing that they have it, they have a lot of different thoughts at once because they have a lot of different people doing the thinking. I that is what people attribute it to, yes. And it also seems very fickle depending on how well the team is doing, which sure would seem to be uh reasonable and that like you have to make your decision making based off of the results you're seeing night after night. But the fact that, and, and maybe they're just rumors that percolate because there are so many people involved and it's New York's so people want to talk, like they kind of get overblown, but there's just, and I'm not going to say anything too substantive because on that, cause it's like conjecture that I don't have absolutely verified. Um, but like, there's just too much chatter about, Oh, now they want to do this. Now they want to do that. But the consistent thing that remains, um, I think, top of mind for New York is that like they clearly want to move off Evan Fournier. That's been uh, a straight goal for a long time. Cam Reddish, I don't think, has been um, like a straight goal for a long time. But clearly they're kind of trying to work in lockstep with his representatives to get him to a new home. I mean, quickly, I, I, I mean, there's just – there, I, I just there, there doesn't seem to be a future for him in New York. I mean, there could be, but there's just been he, he's very available, and his his team his people are getting contacted by different teams all the time. Um, and I've heard his name in several different frameworks. Like, I think I mean, again to go back to the contract stuff, he's someone that is expiring or, or, or is extension eligible soon, and like. Just like, you know, a Sadiq Bey in Detroit, like if you are not really sure about how much you want to pay the guy, how much you like him, let alone knowing about 
any potential discrepancy in your salary range, like it, it doesn't hurt to try to you know, sniff the market out and see what's out there. So um, I, I think that's kind of the, the things that are most top of mind with them sure. um, and other things. Yeah, but those are the most consistent um, and I think the most pressing. I mean, those are, I mean, there's some certainly, I mean, I, I can't imagine that Fournier is um, garnering a lot of interest, but I, I, I mean, depending on, you know, kind of what the, uh, what the uh, extension expectations are, um, Cam Reddish is at least a player type that I, that I can see many teams talk themselves into. I mean, I think he would be a, a, at this point it's a third draft guy, right? But, uh, but he would be, yes. I think a, um I think he's shown enough as a as a shooter and defender that uh, someone who you might be interested in if you need that kind of like bigger <clears throat> win. I mean, he's a player that I've I've you know thought about. Like I've suggested that the, for example, the Bucks should take a look at. Like, he, is he a, is he a perfect player? No. Um, do they have a a gaping you know hole in terms of of bigger athletic wings? Uh, yeah. So I, I mean, mean, they gave it. They gave a shot like that on Javon Carter. You know. Yeah. I mean, it's a, obviously different, different position. And Javon Carter has been very good for them. Um, he's been very good for them, but he was uh, I think, also, I mean, I think he's a substantially yeah, better player than yeah. Cam. <laughs> yeah. But, but Javon Carter was cast aside by Phoenix yep. pretty easily. Um, yep. And the sun and the nets who thought he was their answer at backup point guard, if Kyrie ever got hurt or had extended absences for some off court reason, let's say. Um, that he'd be their guy, and they cast him aside too. And he really didn't have a ton of um, options above the minimum. I mean, it didn't seem like he really did. Um, so he wasn't exactly like someone whose value is astronomically higher than where Cam Reddish is at right now. You know? Sure. Um, uh, Abdul Rahman, a frequent guest, asks anything. You got anything about the Raptors? I would like you were talking about how there's just so much uh, chatter coming out of New York. And in my experience, like Toronto is going to be the exact opposite. Yeah. Um, like people are talking people, about people, Toronto for sure. Yeah, exactly. But you're not going to hear it from them. I mean, they, they are one of the tighter ships in the league. Uh, you know, maybe not Oklahoma city, like hermetically sealed, but pretty, pretty tight lipped. Yeah. I'll say, I'll say this. So, they're they're clear they're a team that no one is expecting to do anything anytime soon that they are going to evaluate what they've got hold their chips until they make a decision um but right right now people seem to be under the impression and this is i, I i've talked to definitely well over a dozen people the last two days um and toronto has been a team i've been asking about specifically that like there's maybe an equal chance they become a buyer here at the deadline as there is that they sell off. Um, but that's all obviously dependent on how the success rate is. And it doesn't seem to be trending that direction, right? But in theory, if they were, I mean, there's just been kind of a, a, a consistent description, let's say, right, that the Raptors were pretty bullish on this group and they, they, they still want to – have a sense of an opportunity to see this, even it back out. And, you know, there are only every team in Toronto's position, Minnesota, you know, the Lakers are telling themselves this, um, any team that's four or five games behind below 500, 
Um, I mean, the Warriors were that, you know, a couple weeks ago. Obviously, they're the Warriors, but you know, they lost Steph, what have you. But I, I think there's this idea that our our original construction, if we give it ten more games, we'll we'll, have, we'll 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 be where we're at, and we'll know what we need to add to it instead of just, instead of subtract. But Gary Trent's name in the subtract scenario, I mean, there's a ton of names we could talk about, but to give you like a a worthwhile answer to the listeners, Gary Trent's name has been the one that's come up the most often in terms of likelihood ahead of his free agency, um, and th- that's really all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's. I, I think we, we. I think we might have mentioned this when we did your show last week. Is that they, you know, they traded Norman Powell in a similar situ in a similar spot for Almost Gary identical. Trent. Yeah, and and so I don't know. Is that is that a, you know, is is that a a is there like a Trent quickly thing or something like that? Like, I don't know. That probably makes more sense for Toronto than it does for New York, but um, doesn't mean that the Knicks won't do it. Uh, wouldn't do it. Um, but. Yeah. Um, so who is there a team that you you really expect to be super active in terms of 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 wheeling dealing and, and maybe getting moves done? If Toronto decides to go sell, then there's 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 a possibility that they go sell, sell, sell. And that that's that's on the table. But I think to, to give a different answer, Phoenix has to do they have to make some type of move. And um, I mean, I mean Crowder obviously is, is Crowder. Obviously. That, that situation has to be resolved, so one way or another. Um, then you have Landry Shamit's name has been mentioned repeatedly in trade conversation. Dar Sarge as well. Um, and then the injury to Dev. I mean, they just keep having injuries that I think at a certain point, um, without Crowder, without Cam Johnson, without Devin Booker, like if their if their record becomes a certain threshold or whatever that they decide to actually make a move. Maybe that occurs, but Atlanta, I think has the, has a lot of potential to shuffle things with the, another obvious in that they have Collins, but also, and they have a new lead executive. I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah. Landry Fields has been there, but I mean, it's now his turn to run the show. So that could certainly uh, create a, a difference in attack strategy. Let's say. What's the the so I had I had Brad uh, Roland on last week to for, to talk about the Hawks specifically, but I just you know wondering kind of what you like, um, you know, a kind of why that came about. B, um, the 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 change in leadership. B, does it signal any sort of substantive shift in you know how they're going to operate, which players they're going to value? So there's been. Plenty of theories I've heard, um, and nothing that I have gotten confirmed to share. But one thing that seems, I mean, he w- there was plenty of expectation around the league that Travis Schlenk would be taking a step back or even potentially leaving the franchise by season's end. Um, I think that seems to be the likely scenario here that uh, he will not remain in an advisory role throughout the length of his contract, which had a, several years left on it. Um, like multiple, multiple years um, that like there was something that happened and not to say that 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 needs to be this big buzzy headline scandal, but that could have just been any, any type of event that, that made, that made it 
uh, that made the change occur. Right. Um, so there's been a couple of things I've heard, but I, I can't really, I can't share right now to be like that guy, but I'm just trying to give context. Um, and to like what, where we go from here, it's certainly being read around the league as a commitment to Trey young and, and building around him and building with him. Um, and in terms of what they need to do moving forward and, and, and who is available, Collins's name, obviously, but I think there's a real interesting situation with their rest of their front court in that, I mean, Clint Capella is someone who's pretty consistently been a, a favorite of Trey and they work really well together, obviously on, on pick and roll on offense, but defensively he's a massive help for a deficient defensive player like Trey. Right. So I think there's, there's been that benefit to that pairing, but with Onyeka Kongu playing the way he's playing, and, and playing into the type of contract that he will eventually have to be uh, receiving. Like that, that's a situation people point at, but it's obviously there's complications if you are committing to really doubling down and committing to Trey and Clint is that type of player that he loves to play with. So that's just a, a wonky one that I, that I am keeping an eye on, but I'm not exactly like expecting something to happen. And then from there, I mean, I think there's ripple effects that could occur depending on what comes back, what their best offer is. I mean, I mean, like if if, there, if there's other accounting, what's that, the market for? What's the market for a player like Capella even gonna be though? I mean, I think it's not he's great. a good player who's. Sorry, go ahead. I said it's not great. It's not great. Yeah. I mean, he's, you know, he's a, uh, a player type that's already been somewhat devalued and he's, you know, um, for a player whose game was largely based on athleticism rather than skill. Like that's that, that, that he's, he's, the curve has, has, has changed directions likely on, on, on where that's going for, for his career. Just, I mean, as it does. Um, so I, that, that's I would be surprised if there was a, because I just, you just look out there and like, you know, who, who is, will, who needs a center who would actually give up, uh, you know, give up players. I mean, I agree. Is, I, agree. I mean, maybe, not, maybe Indiana decides to do something crazy and well, Miles Turner can shoot so we can play him together or something. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. I agree. It's not <laughs> something, it's not something that I'm really expecting to happen, but it's just an interesting situation. I mean, just to kind of showcase that they've got a lot of, I mean, they ended up, what I was probably winding up towards is that like they had to basically move off Kevin Herter because of of accounting reasons. And while the team isn't performing to the level that they would like, um, I mean, they have a lot of talented players who are making a lot of money and are going to be making a lot of money. To Dante Murray, you don't give up three first-round picks and then not either recoup that value or give him the contract that you traded for him, expecting to pay him, right? So there just could be other little things that occur here and there that they're going to have to that like there there was no there wasn't an expectation entering the offseason that the Hawks were going to trade Kevin Herter. You know what I'm saying? So. Um, those types of little uh, pivot points that could occur, depending on what trade activity does happen, I think are interesting. Sure. Um, a team that I haven't heard 
really much about at all. Um, actually, no, since we're talking about Hawks, uh, Betsy <laughs> in the comments is, a, is asking about, uh, is, it was a question is, do you guys have any insight on the Hawks from a basketball perspective? Uh, the offense is so much less than the sum of its parts. Trading guys like Collins and future picks won't solve their offensive issues. I think you've, you've hit, Betsy, you've hit the nail on the head. I think that's, um, uh, this is something I've, I've talked about a fair amount on the show is, is part of the reason why Collins is a player that I've been trying to, you know, jokingly said, I've tried to trade him to half of the league this season is he's a guy who is, is, is wasted. Uh, essentially his, his skill set is the reason he's an interesting player is he's got a varied skill set from kind of a four or five that can do a lot of different things. And if he is just sort of left to, stand on the perimeter occasionally to do run a pick and pop or stand in the corner, you're basically turning him into, you know, I don't know, pick sort of a, 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 you know, a stretch four of yesteryear. Like a, you're turning him into like a poor man's Ryan Anderson or something like that. Uh, since he's not that, he's not the guy, that kind of shooter. And that's like, that's a, that's your, your, a, I think he's more talented than that. B, you're paying him way too much money to be that, to 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 be that, to be like you know a Mike Mike Musca, like an overqualified Mike Muscala. Uh-oh. I think the biggest issue for them offensively is that they made this big gamble on Dejounte and Trey, and a lot of it was defensively, right? But a yeah. lot of it was also in this idea that Trey would be able to play off ball. And maybe I use him off ball like Steph and get him easy buckets. And Trey just doesn't seem interested in. Yeah, I, I, it's. I mean, that's that's been the. There was some interesting early stuff in the sort of the backcourt pairing, but as the season has gone on, it seems like to the extent that those two work well together, it come at the expense of, of you know Collins mostly more than anybody. Um, a question I have is I was going to ask you about is have you heard anything about the Clippers? Uh, they're kind of bobbling along. They've you know have some good wins. They've got obviously the questions about health. Um, they they've kind of got questions at both ends of the of the lineup at their point guard and, and center. And it's a team where money is not an object, other than the mechanics of making a move. So. They seem like, given that they have a lot of interesting players, um, they seem like a team that that could be sort of a hub of activity. Yeah. I mean, people are scared of the Clippers, man. People are scared. They think that they're shaping into the big bad contender that a lot of people predicted to win the championship this year, right? So I I think they definitely will – you know, acting as that sleeping giant, which are not so sleeping with that Steve Ballmer has, I think they're definitely going to. They're definitely going to be buyers. The the, the obvious, um, and and what I've heard pretty consistently is that they're looking for a, a switchable backup big, so that they don't necessarily need to, um, just go directly small if if Zubac is not the answer at, at center. Um, I, I don't know who that would be at this point. Um, but, I mean, if, remember, Isaiah Hartenstein played a ton of reserve minutes for them last year. I mean, I, I don't think he's the exact archetype, but I'm saying they don't necessarily need to just have a, a super 
athletic pogo stick switchy guy. If you if you're just a big who can do well and handle your own on a switch and can still bring size at the rim, I think that's something that they're looking at. Like Dwight Powellish type guy. Is that yeah, what we're talking about? That'd be interesting. Like I don't that'd be interesting. I don't I don't think he I don't I don't think he's good enough for what they want. Or, well, or he he makes money for for if for a pure backup he makes too much too much money and 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 he's he's not good enough to be like a playoff twenty five minute a game guy for a, a you know a, a real contender I don't think so I mean not not Dwight Powell but a but that sort of that type of player maybe the slightly better version of that whoever that might be and I can't really think of that off the top of my head <laughs> who that guy is around the league right now yeah. There aren't a lot of like obvious fits of players that are available, like cr- like across the board. There, I mean, it's a, I mean, Jay Crowder fits a lot of different places, but the question is, is maybe the place he fits best is where he is. But but what what's that situation? Yeah, it's not tenable apparently. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, there's been obviously the Milwaukee rumors have have been thick and fast, and he went to Marquette, Ian. Uh, he and Wes Matthews are, are tight. Um, so those, like those are, and the, 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 the Bucks have a need at a position he at one point played in his career. I'm not, I don't know how wild I would be about that uh, from a Bucks standpoint. Cause I think he's probably mostly a four at this point, um, but which doesn't, there aren't a lot of minutes at the four, you know, <laughs> the Bucks already got one. Um, yeah. Um, so, but where else, where, I mean, would like, he's a, you know, a player type that obviously has playoff utility. Yeah. I mean, Miami would love a Jay Crowder. Yeah. Well, I mean, what are they, what are they giving up though? What are they, what are they doing that helps Phoenix? I mean, they're not going to trade like Max Struess for him, are they? I mean, I don't think so. And they haven't found a, I mean, he would love to go to Miami as well. He was there and when they made the finals. So um, I don't think, and that's not to say that like Jay Crowder only wants to go to Miami, right? He definitely would like to, there's definitely interest in Milwaukee. There's definitely interest in Atlanta. I think those three situations are, are, are obviously situations he'd be interested in, but that's been the case since October. So the fact that none of those teams have gotten there, I, I, I mean, I said it a lot, in the fall, just I continue to believe, and I really only heard about there there being the the realistic scenario of a three team deal that gets him out of Phoenix because none of those teams have been able to make a direct um, deal that actually has gotten Crowder out of Phoenix yet. And I mean, Phoenix should be. I mean, given what we talked about earlier about how they've they're you know with the injuries and and the results have been kind of trending the wrong direction, like. There, there. A lot of the teams we're talking about wanting to add pieces. It's, it's like, you know, holding out for the best deal because we're all bunched up together anyway, and it, so it, it isn't. Um, it, it, it doesn't necessarily matter if we wait a couple of weeks to make the move. Whereas Phoenix, like, make getting some ro- some rotation players in, you know, whether it's for Crowder or some other way, um, that's going to win them games now that they would otherwise lose. Um, just because of, of where their roster is. I would agree. Um, let me see. The, another team that I think is really interesting 
is the Pelicans. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, they got a question and comments about that, about who they're targeting, how active they're going to be. I, mm, I'm of two minds about the Pelicans and, and, and just, this is, you know, and I'll, I'm wondering what you've heard about them um, is on one hand, I think that they, they are fairly obvious, you know, consolidation trade type team. They've got, you know, you can never have too many good players, but they have more, more good players than can fit in a playoff rotation. Um, and you can yeah, always use both more first round picks coming. Yes. Yes. And you could, and turning those into like individual better players than, than you have now is, uh, is a good way for playoff success. On the other hand, I think they're there that this year's probably a year too early for them anyway, given that it's going to be Zion's first playoff run. So, you know, it have have to be the, the kind of the right deal for the right guy. Um, is there anything you're hearing about them, you know, who they might be going after, or are they just kind of, you know, let's, let's play the playoffs out and see what happens. No, they'll be active. And, and I think David Griffin's front office has been pretty active throughout their tenure there. Um, they've looked at bigs for sure. Um, and Devonte Graham is a name that I think is one to keep an eye on as an outgoing player. Um, I mean, I'm not expecting a lot of Jackson Hayes chatter, but like he's, I think quote unquote, like expendable in that, like there hasn't really been um, like, I mean, he's just, he's, his rookie deal is also coming up very, very shortly. And He's not exactly like a gung ho. You automatically extend this guy, right? So, um, I mean, that's that is. Uh, I think that is being kind. I think that that uh, that I that try he, to be kind, Seth. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, that this is probably a player who is who um, is. You're wondering if the qualifying offer is out there for him after his rookie deal, but yeah. So, I don't know if. To that point, I don't know if that lends a lot of like viability of him being a valuable outgoing piece. Um, but like, if if the Pelicans somehow swoop in and like get Miles Turner, like again, I'm just connecting dots here. I'm not I'm not saying that they're calling a Miles Turner or they're they're a, they're a team trying to to make a move for him definitively, right? But like, if that were to happen, I wouldn't be shocked. Like in terms of the type of move they're capable of, I think the type of move they're willing to make, but they're also tax conscious too. I, I don't expect the Pelicans to go like to go real big picture here and, and, and juicy. Like I never really thought of them as a viable Kevin Durant spot over the summer. Cause they just, the Pelicans have never paid the tax ever. And I don't think that's something that they're looking to change anytime soon, especially knowing how, how, how heavy and heavy and heavy their payroll is going to be as long as they're this good. Um, that that sort of that leads to a question. They've obviously played really well without Brandon Ingram, um, and Brandon Ingram makes money. Um, is is that is that a, a player who who you've heard anything about? I haven't, but I've asked myself that same question, and I've asked a couple people, and it's gotten nowhere. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I'm a known Brandon Ingram hater, so of course I'm uh, I'm I'm you know trying to get him up on out of there, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think 
it, it makes sense, right? They're having a ton of success. Every time I watch a, a fun, great Pelicans game, they, the camera, for whatever reason, always pans over to Brandon Ingram on the bench. And there's this talk of how Brandon Ingram's not playing. But um, I feel like more so than other players who are not hurt. Like most Timberwolves games, I don't see Cat all the time. Last night, he was there. Um, or they were really showing him, but whatever. Um, yeah, if, if he, I mean, he would have a lot of value. He would have a ton of value, so I could see it. But again, I haven't. I haven't heard that. I don't. I don't think that's something uh, that seems likely at this time. Could things change as we get closer? Maybe, but that's not something I'm really looking at right now. Sure. Uh, I, I, Betsy in comments is is saying if the Pels aren't willing to pay the tax, if some roster decisions to make soon, that's absolutely right. And also, like, if you're there's basically that's uh, it would be unprecedented to be a legit contender, um, especially once your best player is off his rookie deal, which, you know, Zion will be soon um, to, to not be a tax team. So, so it's, uh, I mean, you can, you can claim you're trying to, you're trying to compete for a championship, but there's very little evidence you actually can um, if you're not, if you're not going to be a tax team. Um, Charlie uh, has been waiting very patiently as we've been talking and he's got a question. I'm going to guess about the Milwaukee Bucks, but who knows? Charlie, how's it going? You're still muted, Charlie. Oh, well. Um, well, it's the Saturday. You got this. <laughs> um, while we're waiting, well, I may, perhaps we lost him, but uh, a question we've had a couple times. We've had a couple Pacers questions. So what, what's the what's the word on what they're looking to do? They're in an interesting spot. Um, they're in an interesting spot for sure. Yeah, I mean, you, had a great win last night. Especially with, I mean, Aaron Neesmith has been pretty good for, for the last, I don't know, month or so. And that's just, you know, I often say you can never have enough. You never have too many big wings. The Pacers might actually have too many big wings now, <laughs> um, which puts them in a really interesting position. Because are you trying to free O'Shea Brissett? Not necessarily. It's just they have. You know, I mean, you know, the you know Buddy Heald is someone who could get moved for to get Matherin more minutes, and then you still have the log jam of of Nemhart and Matherin and and Neesmith and Duarte and and I'm and Brissett and, and whoever else. Um, so that's just a very interesting spot to be in. And they're, I think probably a little better or a lot better than they probably expected to be at the start of the year. Yeah. So no, what, at the start of the year, they were expecting to be in position to get a top five pick. Yeah. So what are you, I mean, are you hearing anything about, uh, about what they're, you know, are they still in a? We have to pay. We have to wait and pick a direction, or are they no, actively I, I looking think, to do anything? I think, and I, I believe that these Miles Turner extension talks are real. Um, there are certainly a couple teams I've spoken with that think that's that the Pacers are just going through those motions um, to try to uh, generate some leverage, but on the trade market. I, I don't think that to be the case. I, I think you know, miles was always open to staying there. They're playing so well. He's, he works so well with their backcourt of the future. Um, I think that's, and there's a lot of cap wonkiness that I don't have off the top of my head, but it's very interesting and in how they're able to extend him because they have 18 million in cap room right now. Um, so they can, they can add more onto his salary now and front load it. So it's descending. It's the point where um, 
someone I was speaking with in the league this week said if there there's a way that the, that the Pacers could restructure Miles Turner's deal that would make him arguably and not not arguably just objectively this guy was saying the um in the NBA because of the structure of it and because of his production. So if he's not moved, it seems very likely that the Pacers would want to get that done. Um, and if that's the case, like then you start looking at how, how they could buy. Like, are they the team that just comes in from the top rope and gives Toronto and again I'm just spitballing here. This gives Toronto um, uh, a massive offer for OG Ananobi. Yeah, like that's a, yeah. Like they, they were linked to Miles Bridges before his unfortunate events off court uh, this off season and probably before this off season, but who's to say, um, but um, like that, that is why they, I mean, they were definitely linked to Keegan Murray during the draft and they were looking at Keegan Murray before um, he was off the board. I, I, it'd be interesting I'd be curious to know because they were very into Matherin as well. So I'd be curious to learn if they had the choice between Keegan and Matherin, who would they have chosen? Because that would have really shown um, how much they were interested in filling this four slot. And that seems to be something that they're still kicking around and, and thinking about and looking at. Um, like, like I know they discussed John Collins, you know? Um, so like, if they decide to go be a buyer, that's the, that's the position of really high upside younger four man um, that maybe is even a bit of an overpay kind of equivalent to Atlanta going and getting DeJounte. I could see the Pacers doing that if the right, if the right guy and the right move materializes, but I think that's also probably more likely to come in the off season as opposed to right now. No, I, that, that, that makes sense. Okay, Charlie, uh, take two, what you got? Sorry, fellas driving through the, Snow drifts of uh, Wyoming here. Hopefully, I don't go out again. Um, hey, you 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 mentioned um, the Knicks as an example of like what it's like when uh, too many voices in the room situation becomes a negative. And I'm wondering if the inverse is ever true. Um, Absolutely. Like I was at the like I, yeah like I was at the Warriors Bucks game a few weeks ago sitting behind an advanced scout and he had his laptop on, you know, on his lap and was, and I was just thinking like, you know, how often and what does it look like when, um, you know, the, the people at the very top rely on the expanded staff of, you know, maybe a, a, a scout who's seen a guy or doesn't like a guy or whatever. So I, I think the 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 too many voices thing. I th- I don't think a range of voices is with the, the problem with the Knicks isn't that there's too many voices. It's that um, too many of those voices have kind of authority to to <coughs> at least discuss doing things and and have influence on things getting done. So then the the, the issue there is is more of a team. And this was a, this was a problem in, in Sacramento for you know forever. Um, it was, it was, it was just, you know, or the deal you can get done kind of depends on who you're talking to or, or in some cases who talked to the owner last. Um, and so that's, that's a situation where it, it can be chaotic because, um, the organization is not thinking with one mind, um, which is, you know, makes, makes it makes execution of anything hard when, you know, people are sort of open about 
well, I think this is a bad idea. So how hard am I going to try to, to really make it happen? Um, now the flip side of that is, is also true. Like, I think that there are, um, you know, it, it, definitely examples of, of, of teams being too, like a, a, a decision maker being too insular and not getting enough range of voices. Um, I think we can, we can look at the, at some of the additions that, for example, Portland made in their front office in the off season, uh, to get a wider range and, and, you know, how, like you, you hire Mike Schmitz and then you draft Shaden Sharp. I mean, I think, I, I think you can see a pretty straight line to b- between those things. Um, so there, there is a, so figuring out how to, this is the, you know, people think that the job of a GM and whether it's a Pobo title or, or whatever, uh, is just, you know, well, I like this player and I can sign him to this contract. It's managing the flow of information from, you know, the advanced scout that Jake was talking about to, you know, the medical staff, the analytics department. Um, one of the, one of the great ways to learn about a team is like the security guys chatting on the court before the game, you know, what is the, you know, way what's, uh, what's going on with your guys and, and, and just might, you know, hear stuff either about an, about the team you're playing or another team they just played or something like that. Um, uh, there's all these figuring out all these different ways to, to, um, not just collect this information, but synthesize it and funnel it in a way that the per- the person in charge with ultimately making the decision has the full context of, of the, uh, can see the whole board that they're playing with. And that's easier said than done. Um, but I think there's, there's, you know, you, you want there to be, I think you want there to be robust discussion that ends once a decision is made. Um, yeah, and that's, think- and that's all easier said than done. Yeah, I I think to to wrap to sum it up, it's like when you're in a situation where one person has the owner's ear on between games ten to fifteen, and you're teetering on the edge of deciding whether or not to fire your head coach, and then after things happen between games fifteen to nineteen, and someone else has the owner's ear, he's like completely safe, and then and I'm not speaking specifically like on actual turn events here. Um, but, and then like, Oh, it's very really specific. Saying, that's a very specific number of games though. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm talking about <laughs> yeah, like breaking the, how the segments of the season works. Yeah. And then like games 20 to 25 to keep doing this and uh, sound like an idiot. Um, like another guy, or maybe even the first guy, whatever has, has the year again, you're, you're talking about trading, you know, player a and then, you know, by game 35, he's your starter and he's not, not being discussed anymore. That type of stuff lends credence to the too many cooks thing. And it's difficult to do business with because it doesn't seem to be like a direct constant goal on the other, on the other end of the line. And it, it also, I think the, the a more subtle way it hurts is that the people who are involved kind of know that they have, they, they, they got to get it done while they get it done. Like, Marcus Cousins gets traded during the All-Star game because during the All-Star game is when the owner said yes. So, like, and and if and you know, if if the mind is going to get changed um later, you got to do it now. And so that like that's a recipe for getting, you know, deal fever and 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 you know, not getting the best deal possible. So, it's it's both kind of the 
difficulty in in pursuing a strategy when there are multiple competing strategies and then for a number of reasons the execution becomes very fraught in in that sort of situation um yeah i think that's a that's a you know i i, I told you i'd keep you for 45 minutes we've gone an hour um i so i lied to you good i'm man. sorry it's all um, good i it, do have to it, go it, run it, to my pickup though all right well hey you uh, yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm retired so better you than me I, uh, I, I, I try. I try. I try to. I'm trying to get as many more runs as I can. <laughs> well, Jake Fisher, thank you for uh, for joining. This is uh, this is fun. Maybe we got to do the the back in the the the, the uh, home and home series again, and uh, it you know maybe after the trade deadline. Yeah, we can do a recap version. Awesome. Uh, thanks, right, folks, for listening. I am back later this week. I think I'm going to do some more trade talk with Eric Pincus, uh, and also hoping to get uh, someone on to talk some Timberwolves since. Uh, um, you know, that there's a giant L for me sitting out there, a giant French L sitting out there for me that we might need to talk about. Uh, but thanks folks for listening and, uh, take care.